you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I am coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Shanghai. This is an update about what's taking place in North Korea. As we look at the attacks that are taking place with Muslims around the world, especially in places during this Ramadan, it has been such a violent time. It's very, very difficult to follow what's going on in North Korea. I mean, with the attacks on London Bridge, with the attacks in Manchester, with the shooting of the people on the Egyptian bus, the Christians on the Egyptian bus, with the attacks that have been taking place in Australia. Everywhere we look on the news, basically every day there's a new attack. So it's very difficult to follow impending doom on the Korean Peninsula. But that's without exaggerating. We are still on the verge of war. And in many ways, um, Kim Jong-un is doing everything that he can to shake up the Asian area to keep the attention on him. On him. It's like, please look at me, look at me, look at me. It's it, So it's Almost as he's doing things to be noticed, I mean, not almost, we know that that's the case. However, with tensions mounting on the Korean Peninsula, there neither side is subsiding or standing down. And when I say neither side, I'm talking about North Korea against the world. And anybody that has the cojones to call North Korea out on their aggression is basically beaten down for being aggressive. So anybody that stands up to the bully is being um, uh, chastised by the world community as being too aggressive, being like, don't make the bully mad. If you make this guy mad, he might do something drastic. So everybody just cater to his desires everybody just tiptoe around this this angry dictator and do what he says lest he gets angry at somebody standing up to him and saying no god forbid he throws himself on the floor and starts pounding his fist and kicking his feet and throwing a fit that everybody else has to listen to so the whole world is basically being held hostage uh, China stood up and took a very hard stance against North Korea until North Korea went even harder, not even caring whether China would be with them or not. And now we're seeing that China is backing down. The South Korean president, because before it was America, Japan, and South Korea basically standing in a pack. And for a while, it looked like China was coming on to the side of sanity, the uh, Japanese, the Koreans, and the Americans. However, 
Now we are seeing even South Koreans are starting to break. And if South Korea breaks, really, there's not much that can happen. There's The U.S. cannot go on alone. Even if the U.S. and Japan do this alone, they will be considered the aggressors, even if they're trying to stop a, a, a nuclear catastrophe taking place on the Korean Peninsula. South Korean has a new president, Moon Jae-in, and he has basically made the announcement that the THAAD anti-missile systems, which would basically be an immediate response to any missiles launched to South Korea, those are the only things saving their skin. There's two of them in the country now. There's four that will be deployed soon into South Korea. And the new president that just took over said, we're going to stop the four new systems that are supposed to be arriving in South Korea. Now, he said that it's important that we do this delay so that we, a study can be done on the environmental impact of the THAAD anti-missile systems. These things are on the back of a truck. There's, You know what's bad for the environment? Um, launching a nuclear weapon to destroy South Korea. That's, that's pretty bad for, for the environment. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably going to release a lot of greenhouse gases into the environment. That, that, that's just me. That, that's just my thought. <laughs> a couple of missile defense systems being pulled around on the back of vehicles is probably not going to create as much of an environmental impact as the U.S. president flying to South Korea or the vice president flying to South Korea. I'm thinking that they, these, those, those travel arrangements cause more greenhouse gases. The greenhouse gases coming from the, the posturing that's taking place and the, the blowhardiness that's taking place. Is that a word? I think it's a word. Blowhardiness. The, the hot air that's coming from North Korea and the threats is creating a lot of uh, carbon dioxide that is filling up the atmosphere a lot more than the cow farts coming from Norway. So I know that it's not about an environmental impact study that is keeping the THAAD systems from arriving in South Korea. It is an appeasement policy that is started as a step that to, to show North Korea, okay, we are taking a step to show that we don't want to be aggressive. And how does North Korea respond? By launching another missile. They're launching missiles almost every other day. Um, they have shown that they are capable of delivering a, um, a atomic, a nuclear weapon uh, into the areas of Japan, South Korea, and China, by the way, if they wanted to. But they're also trying to show that they can do um, land-to-ship launchings, which is what they're doing. They're doing land-to-ship launching tests to show the Americans that we can take out your aircraft carriers that come into the region. So um, <clears throat> this week, Kim Jong-un just came out and criticized President Bush for being selfish. I'm sorry, President Bush. Wow. I just went back several generations of, uh, of presidents. So just criticized, um, President Trump as is the U.S. president currently <laughs> that he just, pre President Trump was just criticized by, uh, President, uh, Kim Jong Un for pulling out of the Paris Agreement and said that it was a selfish act and it shows how selfish Americans as well as the American president is. 
And I think that he has a lot of people on his side when it comes to the Paris Climate Agreement. Now, let me be clear. At Back to Jerusalem, we don't comment or really even care. I just, I just, I'm sitting in, in Shanghai right now. I just had a meeting with a couple of underground house church leaders. At no time, at no time did we ever discuss President Trump, Kim Jong Un, or uh, the Paris Climate Agreement. Or the the Paris Accord, uh, the the agreement on uh, trying to lower the greenhouse emissions for around the world. And no time do we ever, ever, ever talk about these things. So when I'm discussing this, I'm discussing this more from a uh, strategic exposure uh, observation uh, rather than a stance by the Chinese church. This is not a stance. What I'm going to be talking about is not a stance by the Chinese underground church. But it is important for you as our listeners and as our supporters to understand what is really going on, what is really taking place. Because we have done um, a lot – alternative energy is one of the big tools in our toolbox. We do a lot of alternative energy. We are big on doing alternative energy, especially when it comes to solar and wind power, um, even doing um, uh, hydropower. These are the things that we focus on a lot when we are working in hard-to-reach closed countries because uh, alternative energy is a major way for us to provide energy into areas that do not have energy and live in extremely poor countries that are not able to provide it to them. So we're able to provide the small alternative energy units that can provide electricity and benefit the people. That is a part of our humanitarian efforts around the world. We do that in Sudan. We do that in Iran. We do that in Iraq. We do that in North Korea. And so uh, Kim Jong-un basically comes out and says this is selfish and condemns the United States for pulling out of the Paris Agreement. But... There's a side of the story that you should know regardless of where you stand on this issue. Regardless of whether you hate President Trump or not, regardless of whether you agree with President Trump for pulling out of the Paris Climate Agreement or not, doesn't really matter. Because I'm going to share information that you might not know and, and might highlight a couple of things for you to at least let you understand the situation on why President Kim Jong-un is really criticizing President Trump. So, first off, when it comes to the Paris um, Agreement, North Korea would pay zero dollars. Zero. They would pay, pay nothing into what's called the Green Climate Fund. The Green Climate Fund is a, is a slush fund, basically, that a lot of countries that have been, that feel responsible for polluting are putting into a big bucket of funds. And then those funds are being redistributed into other countries, um, that need help on being able to achieve a certain, uh, reduction of greenhouse gases in their countries. The main recipients, of course, being Russia, China, India, because these are the largest polluters in the world. I know I live in China. I'm uh, our ch my children. I have two children. Our children are constantly kept from going to school because the pollution index level. There is such a thing. For those of you that do not know, we have a pollution index level in southern China. We also have it in Beijing. Um, do you guys have it here in Shanghai? 
pollution index level. Okay. So I'm sitting here with one of my dear sisters from Shanghai. They also have a pollution index level. And the thing is, is that there are days where Hong Kong closes schools and closes the school system because it is too dangerous for children to go to school because the pollution levels are so darn high. So the highest polluters in the world would pay zero into this green climate fund. Now, the Green Climate Fund goal is to raise $1 billion U.S. dollars per year by 2020. The United States has already paid $1 billion into this fund. $1 billion with a B. B, B, B. Billion. $1 billion has already been paid to the World Climate Fund. That is $1 billion more than the largest polluters, Russia, China, India is also $1 billion more than the very person that criticized President Trump, um, President Kim Jong-un. How much, Kim Jong-un, have you paid into the Green Climate Fund? Oh, zero. Okay. So you criticized one nation for pulling out. What exactly will be your contribution? Well, that is where the rubber meets the road. That is what you need to understand on what's really taking place here. A lot of people see that, oh, well, and, and I don't understand this. When um, a lot of the people from Western countries talk about their problem with the Paris Agreement, it usually comes down to jobs. They talk about the coal industry being hit. They talk about the, the, the financial industries, the different companies, little small organizations, little small mom and pop shops that cannot abide or cannot abide with in, in, in a way that is, um, uh, financially feasible. They cannot abide with to these laws that are agreed to by the climate, the climate agreement from Paris. Um, they can't agree. They can't abide by it in a way that is agreeable and makes financial sense. So, and a lot of the big companies want to see this come in because they can absorb the extra costs. Because once they get rid of their competition, they can raise their prices and recoup a lot of the money that they lost from absorbing these extra fees. So, of course, they are on board with it. They see it as a financial blessing, windfall, if you will, into their direction because it would get rid of a lot of small businesses that cannot abide and living in Western countries that cannot abide by these terms, these terms that are being implemented by the agreement. In a financial way and still survive. Most small businesses go out of business within a year or two already and then add to these extra stresses, they will go out of business. So that's where a lot of people come in and they argue from it. But I come from a completely different perspective. Okay, I understand. But if it's good for the environment, shouldn't we do a loss analysis, a kind of a benefit loss analysis and see – is it worth it or not in order to benefit the environment? Um, and I say environment and not climate because I am a conservationist. I believe in keeping clean air, clean water, uh, clean land. I, I want to, I want my children to be able to spend time hiking in nature and enjoying the, the, the land. And instead of, you know, being, um, kept indoors and not being able to go to school because it's too polluted outside. I believe that we are called by God to be good stewards over the land. So in that way, I feel that we need to be conscious of our environment. Climate change, however, is a completely different 
situation and is in many ways turning into a religion, a religion in which those that criticize or don't agree with every little aspect, even though the goal might be the same, which is to have a clean environment, the 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 climate change people really want to create a religion where anybody that disagrees with them is basically um, labeled and beaten down and and persecuted in such horrible ways. Um and, and that I just cannot get on board with. Regardless of that, um, uh, what I do see is a situation where you have Western Europe, primarily Western Europe and America, paying almost all the fees for the Green Climate Fund. The Green Climate Fund is receiving money from around the world from Western nations that are already independently bringing their greenhouse gases down. So they are imposing upon themselves as well as bringing in independent individuals and are allowing independent uh, studies take place within their countries to talk about the measures that are taking place, the impact that is having, um, uh, the, the cost. All of those things are being done independently as well as in conjunction with governments uh, and government-sponsored studies to be able to see with as much transparency as possible the impact that these new rules and regulations are having on the, the environment in these Western nations. The problem is that independence is not allowed in many of the recipient nations. The countries – when I say recipient nations, it means the countries that pay nothing to the Green Climate Fund, zero to the Green Climate Fund. They have no obligation to even bring their greenhouse gases down until 2030. So in 2030, 13 years from now, if they, if Russia, China, India receive billions of dollars, which they will from the Green Climate Fund, which they have, and they decide, no, we're actually not, even though we've received it, even though we've implemented these different projects, we decided that, uh, you know, our greenhouse gases are good right where they're at and, and we will not allow anybody else to study. What, in what way, are we benefiting the environment? It, you got billions of dollars going to other nations that have no accountability to anyone, even those that are giving out the money. So let me ask this. You have um, $100 and your neighbor says that, you know what? It would be really nice if both of our houses had pretty bushes and – um uh, I think that we should both have pretty bushes and you agree and you say, okay, I'm going to create a fund and you put $100 in that fund and your neighbor doesn't put any money into that fund. Now, his pretty bushes is supposed to be just as important as your pretty bushes so that they can be seen from the sidewalk. And you go ahead and bring in people that can um, trim your bushes and do the things that are needed to make your bushes pretty. But a wall is put up where you cannot even observe the bushes on your neighbor's lawn. But the neighbor is telling you, give me the $100 that you put into the fund and I'll bring in somebody to make our bushes nice, but you can't look at them. You can't look at our bushes for another 13 years. You just have to trust us that we're doing what it takes to make our bushes nice. And then after 13 years, we'll take down the wall. 
And according to our agreement, because we are still an independent country, one with nuclear weapons, by the way, um, as we are talking about with every country that I mentioned so far that is not putting into the fund at all, such as China, Russia, India, and North Korea, all of which are nuclear powers. If at any time when they finally take down the, the wall and show you the bushes that they've been working on for 13 years and you've been putting in money for 13 years and they've been taking that money for 13 years, but at the end of the 13 years, they take down their wall and you look at the bushes and they're the same stinking ugly bushes that they were in 2017 they are the same stinking ugly bushes in 2030 and you ask where's our money and they're like well we used it on some bush trimmers but they didn't really work out and they grew back out after a while and you say but I trimmed my bushes I paid for my bushes to be trimmed and in fact we had to hire certain workers that were more expensive at trimming bushes than what we would have used regularly and now we have beautiful bushes, but our bushes are still made ugly because it's the same street as your ugly bushes. And your ugly bushes were supposed to be paid for to be trimmed and made nice, but you didn't do so. And they say, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're not dealing with um, reliable governments here where you have um, democracies and transparency, where the news is able... I mean, there's not a day that goes... There's not a minute that goes by that uh, President Trump is not being criticized. There's not a minute that goes by that Theresa May is not being criticized. There's not a, a, a day that goes by that Macron is not being criticized. In the Western governments, you can criticize all day, every day, every minute of the day, and get an idea, well, these are really bad people, because that's all you hear is criticism. That is the freedom of being in these Christian nations. But you start getting into places like Russia, your criticism goes out the window. Forget about that. Go into North Korea and try to do independent um, uh, criticism, independent research, independent journalism. <laughs> you'll be you'll find yourself either in a gulag or kicked out. One of the two. You probably have Bill Clinton on a plane, private plane, coming to pick you up and rescue you because you try to do some independent journalism inside of North Korea. Forget about it. It's not taking place. So. What we have is a country like North Korea that is now coming out and saying um, that they feel that President Trump is uh, is being selfish by pulling out of the Paris Agreement. And now they come out with a, um, a study that says experts have warned that North Korea is at significant risk of climate change related problems. Aha. Aha. Now we are seeing some. So this just came out. This is this is from a, a Reuters report. Experts have warned that North Korea is at significant risk of climate change related problems. That's the first sentence of the article. And that leads to everything that I need to know, because Western countries have been developing for many years and they've been polluting the earth for eons. And now countries like North Korea are suffering because of the pollution created by America, Australia, South Africa, Western Europe. And these countries need to pay. They need to pay. That, that is what this sentence is setting the groundwork for. Next sentence. In particular, the country's chronic food shortage could be aggravated by droughts 
or flooding. So whether it's too dry or it's too wet, both of these are not the result of a horrible policy put in place by a tyrant. But instead, this is the, this is the result of climate change. And climate change is the result of selfish countries like America, and they need to pay up because people are starving to death in North Korea as a result of da-da-da, climate change. So, the Democratic Republic of North Korea has provided, which it rarely does, I know because I've done alternative energy projects in North Korea since the day I first started working in North Korea. The Democratic People's Republic, now I'm reading from the the uh, DPRK's own website. I'm sorry, no, I am not. I am not, not, not yet. Uh, this is a link uh, to the uh, DPRK's own website. Uh, the DPR, the DPRK, uh, rarely provides direct official information on its energy sector. And the data that are often provided needs to be interpreted with care. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying that most of it is, is bullcrap. But, um, they've, they rarely provide inter- information on their energy sector, which they are right now. Why? Because they are putting in to the general, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, the green climate fund. They are putting in a proposal, several proposals to the Green Climate Fund to support projects that will ease the impact of global warming or global uh, climate change on their environment, on their country, on their climate. It will ease the pain of people starving. So people, I, I'm sorry if I kind of get a little bit emotional about this because it makes me so insane that's that that the policies of a tyrant are actually being uh, which are responsible for people dying being killed being starved to death are now being shifted because now they're out of nowhere there is a connection with climate change and that will get the crazies on board with North Korea they will begin to say the most insane things and say, well, actually, and I tell you that they want to. They so, so, so desperately want to. When I say they, I'm talking about the crazies out there that want to embrace uh, communism, that want to embrace this climate change ideology that has gone religious and gone. And, and, and when I say religious, I'm not talking about people that care about the environment. I care about the environment. We are very much involved in alternative energy. I'm talking about individuals that persecute and aggressively pursue anybody that would not agree in totality with them and their ideas and not just their ideas, but the, uh, the submission to their global climate church, which requires tithing from groups like America and Western Europe, and usually tithing from only one sector of society, which are Christians, Christian society. The only people that are paying into the Global Climate Fund, by the way, that are not Christian are Japan, Mongolia, and Indonesia. That's it. Everybody else, everybody else that is non-Christian are not ponying up. 
So I'm looking at the Green Climate Fund givers online. I'm 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 looking at the 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 Wikipedia page that documents every single donor that there is, and I'm not seeing anybody that is not on. I'm not seeing anybody in the Persian Gulf. By the way, by the way. For those of you that, that really feel bad about the United States pulling out of the, the uh, Paris Agreement, here's a couple things to notice. First of all, the biggest polluters pay zero. The least polluters are the ones carrying most of the cost and are also putting in even stricter uh, regulations on themselves independently. And those that are putting in those regulations are hoping that by some sort of influence – Nations that don't even respect the human rights of their own people are somehow going to respect the monies coming in from the Green Climate Fund. So they'll just trust in faith that their neighbor are going to trim their bushes even though the bushes cannot be observed for another 30 or 13 years. But by the way, the Middle East, which does not put into this at all, the China, who does not pay into this at all. Russia, that does not pay into this green climate fund at all. Zero dollars. Zero dollars. They rejected signing on to it unless uh, fossil fuels were not a part of the green climate initiative. If you think you misunderstood me, you did not. It means that fossil fuels are a part of the solution for uh, bringing down the um, emissions around the world because uh, China, Russia, and um, uh, the Middle East rely so much on oil exports that they could not and would not sign on to any agreement that said that we need to bring down the level of use of fossil fuels. So fossil fuels cannot be touched or decreased at all using the Green Climate Fund according to the Paris Agreement. (laughs) Most people don't even know this. So what we are essentially doing is paying into a green climate fund, which is overseen by a group of people that are not paying into the green climate fund. So the people that pay in it should have the most say, but they don't. The people that um, are not abiding by it uh, are benefiting from it because they're saying, you know what? We agree with this green climate fund. We think that it's great. We agree. We will sign on to the agreement of the Paris Agreement. And when we sign on... um, we we are saying that there are certain things that we abide to and certain things that we don't abide to. And uh, we cannot check up on those things until 2030. And uh, we will receive money from the Green Climate Fund. So people like North Korea can put in to receive money from the Green Climate Fund. Nobody that puts in money into the Green Climate Fund could actually oversee it. So it's a waste of money. It's a waste of money. Countries that have the same value system, countries that have the same idea, vision, and goals, countries that are in Western Europe, countries that are in North America, like North and South America, like uh, Canada and America, countries like Japan that have the Kyoto Agreement, uh, countries like Australia, uh, countries like New Zealand, countries that are making strides in, in, in making their environments cleaner. Um, they can sign on to a pact. 
And anybody that wants to join in that pack has to make an agreement that you get to have as much of a seat as you put in, meaning that if you don't put money in, you don't get a say. That's how shareholders usually work. Um, that's how uh, right now I just met with a pastor, right? I just met with a couple pastors and our vision is to start a business here in Shanghai that would also help provide funding for missionary training. Well, the missionary training that would take place would be overseen by them. But the business, if we invested as back to Jerusalem into that business, we would oversee how that money's being used and carried out. We would be essentially a co-owner or a shareholder, if you will. So I get to walk into the business at any time. I get a look at the books at any time. And if I can't, if I'm kept from the books, if I'm kept from walking into the business, guess what? I'm not putting money into that investment because I can't verify how it's even being used. I can't even verify whether it's a good, solid investment. How do I know that the money's not just being wasted? I mean, the Chinese that are using it might have very good intentions, but they may not be very good at business. So I might just be throwing my money down the drain. So if I put money in, then I get oversee. That's just one of the rules as an investor. That's just one of the rules as a shareholder. And if you don't have money on the line, if you don't have skin in the game, then you're not one of the coaches. You're not one of the people that are overseeing and telling people what they can and cannot do. But that's the exact opposite of what's taking place at the United Nations. It's the exact opposite of what's taking place with the Green Climate Fund. The people that are putting in the most money are not getting the most say. The people that are putting in the most money are sometimes not even getting to oversee how that money's being used. And in a place like North Korea, you would get zero accountability, zero oversight. So in that way, that way, it's quite funny listening to North Korea moan about America pulling out. But it's also understandable because America being the largest funder means that less funds will be available in the slush fund for North Korea to take out and enjoy because Lord knows they have been suffering from climate change. We are definitely believers in climate change in North Korea. We just had two missionaries that went in to set up a new business in North Korea and the spiritual climate is going to change. We are about to see climate change on a global scale from North Korea. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're sponsoring. That's what we're supporting. A spiritual climate change like they've never seen before. Does it change weather weather patterns? It can. Very much so. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I pray that this was informative for you, and I pray that uh, you will continue to come and listen to our North Korean updates that we make available on a weekly basis while this whole thing is taking place on the Korean Peninsula. Continue to pray for North Korea as the military continues uh, to face a lot of aggression from uh, the American military, the Japanese military, and uh, not so much so from the South Korean military. But pray for the situation on the Korean Peninsula and continue to pray for the Back to Jerusalem missionaries that are inside of North Korea as I'm doing this podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast where I am coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Shanghai. God bless you.